The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Good morning. Uh, Pastor Jonathan is not here this morning, as you may have noticed. He is uh, he's in Moldova this weekend with Valeri and with Vasanth. He's been speaking at a conference together, the three of them, and this morning, uh, Jonathan's been preaching at the church of a, of a bishop. I don't know what type of bishop he is, but it's the bishop's church that he's been preaching at. It's probably over by now. They're a few hours ahead. Um, so um, we bless them as they travel back uh, this, uh, this coming week. They're back on Tuesday or Tuesday or Wednesday, but um, yeah, they'll be, they'll be traveling home soon. Um, we're continuing with our series, and I get the opportunity to kind of close us up on the series Fear God and Live. Uh, let's pray before we get stuck in. Father, we welcome you. Lord, we welcome your Holy Spirit. We welcome your presence into this place. We thank you that when we gather together, here you are in our midst. We pray, Lord God, that the word that is preached this morning will be from you and from your heart for us. And I pray, Lord God, we be challenged, awakened, and stirred by the things that you desire to communicate. Lord, may my words not get in the way of what you want to say this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This has been a week of a viral video. Uh, If you have not seen a viral video this week, I'm a bit jealous of you, to be honest, uh, because... Uh, it's been everywhere. Um, the, 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 the video of the, the, the guy on BBC News having an interview and his children running. Um, you've, most of you would have seen that, I'm sure. If you haven't seen it, um, well, you're just fortunate that uh, you're not stuck on social media like the rest of us. Um, but we're going to watch a short video uh, quickly. It's not quite as viral, um, but I found it on Facebook, um, and it's going to help us as we get into our message this morning. So let's go with this. Mommies and daddies are asking their kids these questions, and I just want to know what your answers are, okay? You ready? What's your name? Yeah. How old are you? January. January 9th. January 9th. How old am I? I don't know. Thank you. 
Amen, Sadavi. Sorry, um, that video did come with a warning. Try not to cry. Um, so it, it comes with that. But I'm asking this morning, what is your picture of God? When you think of God, what do you think of? What do you see? Mike is back on. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, what do you see? Um, I've been doing a course at the moment, and back in October, we were asked this question. Um, if you were to write a job description, what are the attributes you would like the President of the United States to have? Uh, we were talking about integrity, primarily, um, and this was before the election, so this was before Trump got in, and people were, were looking at the different candidates, and we were saying, what were the different attributes? And perhaps, um, having come through this series that we're doing, uh, the answer uh, would come more naturally to you. I don't know what uh, attributes you think of. Would it be wisdom? Would it be that they're a team player? Would it be that they've got integrity or strength? Or they've got uh, great strategic ability? Or they're just a great politician? Um, but for me, in my little group, I sat down and I was fighting the cause to say the attribute that I would desire most in the President of the United States, not that they'd be my president, is that they would fear God that they would fear God. And you might ask, well, why? What's that got to do with being a president? But actually, it's because I believe that when someone fears God, these other attributes are what flow from them. So they have integrity because they have a right view of who God is. They have wisdom because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the first place of understanding what to do and how to make good decisions is knowing and having a right picture of who God is. 
So today's message is about how we can gain that right view, that right perspective, how our picture of God will be true to who he really is. It's about gaining the right perspective. We have, uh, uh, just recently at Christmas time, my dad's been playing a game. Uh, we have the most fun at Christmas, obviously. Uh, he takes a picture of something zoomed right in. So you can't work out what it is, and then we all sit round, and it comes up on the television, and we have to try and guess what it is. <laughs> we have fun. We have fun. <laughs> it's a classic game. It's a classic game. And sometimes we get them, and sometimes it's the edge or the corner or something, and we just don't know where to find it in the house. Um, it's supposed to be for the kids, but it's the adults that get involved, really. Um, but sometimes you need to step back in order to gain a full perspective of what something really is. Um, in truth, uh, as we seek to gain a right picture, a right view of who God is this morning, what we'll begin to learn is actually it's not as you take a step back that you see who God is, but it's as you take a step forward, as you draw closer, that you actually gain to see who God really is. One of the things that I found as part of the DNA of the church here, if you're new to us, um, or if you've not been here that long, um, perhaps you pick up different things. What is the church like? But one of the things that, that I've, I sense that probably is something that Pastor Jonathan carries, and therefore it spreads into amongst us, but this thing of wanting to know the reality of God. Wanting to know who God really is and experiencing, encountering who God really is. It's part of our DNA. It's part of who we are as a church. That we don't just see one part of his character, but we're looking to experience and know everything there is to know about God. So when you imagine God, when you just think, even if you close your eyes now and think, I'm imagining God. What is it that you see? What is it that you see when you imagine him? Is it that you see God as love? Is it that you see Christ hanging on a tree and you see that as God? Is it that you see an all-consuming fire or a man with a grey beard? Or is it that you see God as judge, creator, or do you see God as spirit? In truth, apart from the grey beard, um, they, I think, uh, they could all be right. They are all right, as we see God uh, expressed in these different ways. But sometimes if we only see God as judge, you don't see the whole picture of who God is. If you only see God as love, in fact, there is so much more to see of who God really is. And sometimes we only take one perspective and one view and we can simplify who he is because the magnitude of God is great, far bigger than sometimes we can come to realise. We're going to read some scriptures. Isaiah 40 verse 12 says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance. 
Here we begin to see just the magnitude, the size of the God that we worship. The things that we can barely grasp, like the depth, how deep the sea is, how awesome and how powerful the sea is. And it talks about that God holds it in the hollow of his hand. When you think about the, the size of the heavens, the heavens like beyond the universe, and he marks that out in the breadth of his hand's span. The God that we worship is bigger far bigger, far greater than even we can describe and know. But I love the way in which the description is made by the prophet Isaiah as, as God is speaking to him. And yet, we're going to read John 14, 8, 9. This is in a conversation between Jesus and Philip. Philip said to, says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father that will be enough for us. Jesus replied, Philip, I have been with you all this time and still you do not know me. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So here we see that the, the image, the picture of who God is, is seen exactly through the experience that Philip had of Jesus on the earth. So when you see God, do you see Jesus? Do you see the Jesus who writes in the sand? Do you see the Jesus who bows down and washes the feet of the disciples? Do you see the Jesus riding on a donkey into Jerusalem, turning over the tables in righteous anger or in the garden weeping? Do you see Jesus admonishing the disciples? Or do you see Jesus in that moment where he's whipped and disfigured, where he's hanging on the cross? What is the right view of God. What do you see? Well, the picture that we have of God, I believe, is shaped by your experience of God, by your experience of him. So two is, what is your experience of God? I want to talk a little bit about Moses this morning. Surely he was someone who experienced God in ways that uh, perhaps we could only dream of. But he experienced God in, in uh, awesome ways and in intimate ways. And throughout his life, he encountered God in many ways. Having grown up in Egypt, in the palace, uh, he chose to identify himself with the people of his birth. And that caused him to kill uh, an Egyptian and end up running into, wilder, into the wilderness. And after spending a month, uh, sorry, after spending 40 years in the wilderness, he experiences God uh, in a burning bush. And it's in that moment where uh, God is revealed to him as the great I am. And God calls him and tells him to go and to save the people and to bring them out of Egypt. And he experiences God in that moment, but then he experiences God in Egypt with the plagues that are coming forth. He experiences that when God says he's going to do something, it happens. He experiences these plagues and, and the judgment of God upon Egypt. And he experiences that the every firstborn of the, uh, the Egyptians' sons uh, passing away and then being released and going and leaving Egypt and entering uh, towards uh, the, the, the river, river Nile and seeing that parting and experiencing all that God was doing and his experience was shaping 
who God was to him. But it comes to this moment where he and the people of Israel make it to Mount Sinai. And he has experienced God in, uh, in the cloud and the thunder and the lightning. And uh, Pastor Jonathan was preaching about that experience a few weeks back. He comes down with the tablets and he sees the people falling into sin with the, the golden calf. Those tablets are broken. And then uh, Moses comes before God again, basically saying, Lord, forgive them and continue to go with us. He's saying to God that we won't move from this place unless you go with us. And in fact, he says, God, show me your glorious presence. We're going to read from Exodus 33. And we're going to hear some of their conversation before, before the encounter. The Lord said, this is verse 19, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. So I have this first conversation, and then uh, a few more verses down in uh, 34, we'll pick it up from verse 4, and this is where uh, the encounter is about to happen. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones, went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. Lord, he said, if I have found favour in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Here, in this profound experience that Moses has of God, in this revelation uh, that he receives, in this true experience, God actually speaks, declaring who he, who he is. We hear that he is the Lord. We hear that he is compassionate and gracious. We hear that he's slow to anger and abounding in love. We hear that he maintains love to thousands, to generations. And it says here, he forgives wickedness, rebelling and sin. But it also says, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. When we think of our experiences of God, we could, you know, just reading this, we can have an encounter. 
just reading off the, the, the pages of the Bible. We believe the word is living and active. And yet for Moses, he was there. He was in that cleft of a rock and he encountered and he heard God speak in that way. And he was able, uh, you know, as you can imagine, his, his mind being opened, his, his eyes being opened, his experience uh, being widened. This is who God is. So how do we gain a right picture, a right view? How do we understand who God really is through our experiences and through the revelation that God brings to us? How do we see a bigger picture of who he is? Because sometimes it may feel like there are two sides to the God that we worship. Sometimes it may feel like, how do you balance the, the grace of God, but the justice and the judgment that he brings against sin? If you imagine uh, a couple of guys who have been to see a, an ornate building in London, I was trying to think of what buildings I love. There are so many buildings. Strangely, the one that came to mind was uh, Liberty the shop Liberty is a bit of a mad building that I like the look of. Uh, but imagine, imagine two people go and see that building. One of them sees it from the north side and the other one sees it from the south side. They come together and they say, oh, I saw Liberty building. Um, I don't think it's actually called that, but I'll call it that for now. Um, I saw it. Oh, it had pillars. It had ornate windows. It looked like this and looked like that. And the guy that saw it from the other angle is saying, doesn't look like that at all. It hasn't got any pillars. It hasn't got these doors. It ha- like, what are you talking about? Um, they can be talking about the same very thing, but because they've seen it from the two different angles, there are odds with one another until they realize that they were looking at it from different directions, and then they will be uh, reconciled. It can be like that in describing God to people, in describing who he is, in describing uh, the God that we worship to those that perhaps have not yet encountered, not yet known him. As I said earlier, the thing about this perspective of God is actually, and this is my testimony, it's the more uh, uh, that I've explored God, the, 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 the more that I've drawn closer to him, the more that, my, uh, that wonder increases. The size of God, the scale of who he is, increases the closer that you get. And the people that I know that have had deep uh, encounters with God, the people that, you know, that I've looked to as people of God who've, who have had experience of him, sometimes it, because of the closeness they've got, they understand the, the, the righteousness of God and their sin all the more. You think that, that the greater uh, the sinner would, would stay furthest away But as you come close, as you draw close, even though you may look at someone's life and be like, oh, they haven't done much wrong. They understand the weight of sin in their life and how much the grace of God has saved them. Some of the people who spend most time with God in prayer know the extent to which they need God so much more. In stepping forward, in drawing closer, you see and encounter the the greatness of God. And just how big God is. We want to jump into Psalm 25. There's a couple of verses 
that uh, I'm going to be referring to a few times throughout the rest of this message. Uh, Verse 14, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. In the New Living Translation, it says, The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. We hear that the psalmist at this point, it says David wrote this psalm. He's saying that uh, there's an opportunity for a depth of friendship. Not just that you you could say God's my friend. It says here that uh, God would confide in you. It talks about a depth of trusting, a depth, a level of friendship that goes beyond the highs and the hellos, but willing to trust you, to tell you things, to reveal things to you of who uh, that person is, their their deepest thoughts, the things that they carry, uh, whatever pain they have, they're willing. And here it's saying, basically, God is willing to reveal who he is at a deeper level, in a deeper way, those who fear him. Those who fear him. As we begin to grasp who God really is, and I feel that the, the... the time that we spent in this subject over these number of weeks, we've seen that God is holy. We've seen that God is a, a, a God of justice. Last week we were talking about the judgment of God that is coming. We've seen who he is in that uh, respect. Um, and we've heard the verses such as the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. It's the starting point. But to grasp who God really is, perhaps that first place is the fear of the Lord. It's having that right view. But we're also dealing with a God who is revealed through Christ Jesus, the one who loves us, the one who forgives us, the one who is, uh, whose love is unfailing and everlasting. So how do we deal with these sides of God? How do we deal and how do we gain a right picture of who he is when it says clearly in the word that God does not change? Malachi 3, 6. I am the Lord and I do not change. When it comes to God, because of the fall, covenant matters. We read in Psalm 25, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. When it comes to knowing God, covenant matters, and it has done since the fall. When Adam and Eve were with God in the garden before the fall, they had communion. They walked amongst God and God walked amongst them. They were with him. But after the fall, Once sin entered uh, Adam and Eve, uh, that connection was broken. That communion could not go on because God is a holy God and sin cannot come close to God. They were banished from the garden and the judgment came upon them that they would die because the penalty of sin is death. The way in which God began the process of trying to build communion and seeking connection with man again was through covenant. 
You see it um, with Abraham as God raised up a nation that would be his. He called a man called Abraham. And the covenant was the agreement to which they could have communion. These were the things that, that Abraham had to do in order to, to be in communion with God, to regain that connection and for God to begin to work with man again and to work out his purposes upon the earth. So, for example, circumcision was part of the covenant. It was something that man had to do in order to come into God's presence. Because sin was a barrier and a wall, there were things that they had to do in order to, to enter in. So when Moses was on the mountain receiving the tablets, receiving the law, it was a renewal of that covenant. It was a renewal uh, of these are the things that man must do in order to come into God's presence. In order to have access to God, you have to live by these laws, these regulations. And only then could you gain access to God. Only then could you come and meet the, the holy God. And in fact, it was only a one tribe of the twelve. It was only the Levites that could come. And in fact, it was only the great high priest who could actually go into the most holy of places. Only he could gain access to this holy God. And covenant still matters today. We're going to read again. Hebrews chapter 10. And I feel like as we, as we do this, this picture is going to begin to unfold a little bit more for us. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Here, we begin to see how access, communion, the opportunity to, to come to God is given. And this is the point, I suppose, uh, if there's one thing you're coming away with this morning, it's this. The covenant is what has changed. We have a new covenant. God is the same. God does not change, but the terms of engagement, the terms by which we can come and gain a right view of him, and even know him, and become a friend of him, become a confidant of God Almighty, is because of the covenant that we have as believers. So we read in Hebrews 12, you have not, and let me just say, this is, this is talking about the difference between the two covenants, all right? Hebrews 12, you have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. 
But we, it says then in verse 22, know you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. Where it's talking about Mount Zion, it's talking about uh, that heavenly place where the angels are declaring holy, holy, holy. And it's saying that we have come, we can come to that place and experience God in that place. We read on, verse 23, you have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. God is the same God. He remains judge. He remains holy. He remains awesome. Sin cannot come before him. But the terms of access, the terms by which we can come in, the covenant of the blood of Christ that was shed for us means that we can come. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. I remember uh, Mike Pilavachi at Soul Survivor, for the young people that have been to Soul Survivor, There's something that he said, and I've repeated it here before, but it's still, whenever I think of this, it still returns to me. He said, you know, uh, because God is holy and because he hates sin so much, he can't actually even look at us in our sinful uh, ways, you know. But he says, but God loves us so much that he can't keep his eyes off of us. You see the tension. His love is unfailing. His love for each of us. He's desperate for us to come and to gain communion. But the sin that that we carry, the sin that is in our lives, means that we cannot approach. We can't come to him but by the blood of Christ. Access, communion, that closeness, that place of Truly knowing God, becoming a friend of his, is all made possible because of Jesus and what he has done for us. Truly, the wonder of the action, the wonder of the, the commitment of Christ to do what he has done for us, Band, you can come back. Um, You open the word, and if there's a call for, for, for you, it's to read the whole Bible. The same God is revealed from Genesis through to Revelation. As Christians, sometimes we prefer to stay in the new because it feels better for us. But God is the same God, and it's all speaking of covenant relationship. And he's calling us now, today, to covenant relationship where you know what Christ has done for you you know what a freedom he has won for you you know the access that has been given to you and you know that he will fight for you and defend you in the midst of whatever circumstance 
When you open the word and read, you will see the same God, not a God of the old and a God of the new. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. James 1, 17 says, God our Father, he never changes. He remains the same. When you acknowledge who God really is, you will see this vast, you will see this awesome, you will see this everlasting one who created all things. And you see the one who beckons us, who calls us. I love Psalm 27. There's this simple verse, verse 8. David says, My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. The invitation is that you come. The invitation is that you don't just come, but you go beyond. Hebrews 10 says, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. It says that when Moses had that revelation of God as he passed before him, it says his response was that he bowed down in worship. Whatever encounter you have with God, the only response that we can make is worship. The only response that we can make is worship. And I love how how, uh, Moses' cry at this point was uh, continually... Unless you go with me, I'm not going anywhere. Unless you go before us, unless you go with us, I am not moving from this place. Sometimes we have this mindset that on big days, we spend time praying and asking God to be with us. Maybe when you've got a job interview. Maybe when you've got an exam. Maybe when you know that it's a big day or you've got a health checkup. Or there's something happening. I mean, I've done it. I've done it on mornings when I've been preaching. God, I need you to be with me today of all dates. And it's not that it's not good to ask people to cover you in prayer on those dates. But the invitation is that every day, every day, to know the Lord as a friend, to know the Lord as the one you confide in. Psalm 25 again. The Lord confides in those who fear him, He makes his covenant known to them. He goes on to say, my eyes are ever on the Lord. For only he will release my feet from the snare. In the uh, New Living Translation, it says, only you can rescue me from the traps of my enemies. We don't know what every day holds for us. We don't know what situations we're going to be in. We don't know what situations we may fall into. Keep your eyes ever on the Lord and know that he is with you in it. We want a fuller, rounder, greater understanding of God because that leads to a life of closeness, of intimacy. It leads to covenant relationship, which is what God desires for us. We have an invitation this morning. If you'd like to stand, we're going to pray.
I don't know if you have the right picture of God. And it's not like this message has done it any justice in terms of understanding the greatness of who God is. But maybe, maybe God is speaking something. Same God, new covenant. Maybe God is speaking something, some revelation. Maybe you've only considered God as judge and you need to open your heart to God in his grace and mercy. Maybe you've always only felt unclean, unworthy, unable to come and encounter the living God. There's an invitation this morning that you be sprinkled in the blood of Christ, that you would boldly come and enter God's holy place. Perhaps this morning you need to boldly come. Whatever may have been holding you back from surrendering to him, whatever secret sin, whatever situation it is that you think, I can't go into that place, there's an invitation this morning to receive uh, the washing of the blood afresh. Let us pray. We're going to sing a song, and there'll be an opportunity to, respond, opportunity to respond after we've sung this song. Lord, we, we want to know who you really are. Almighty God, would you bring a revelation of all that you have done for us, of all that you are, and Lord, would you give us the boldness and the courage to come close and to experience you. Amen. Let's sing this song together.